Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rap with Reynolds YouTube channel. If you miss the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. If you've not been here before, my name is CJ Reynolds. This is Real Rap with Reynolds, which just re- means real talk with Reynolds. That's what my boys call it, Real Rap. And uh, what we're trying to do is meet with one another on Sundays and help each other get ready for the week. So we will take any question that you have, me, and guess what? My somewhat unwilling co-host, my wife, will answer <laughs> any question that you have um, about, look, it, 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 it's it's school but it's life also. So like, you know, whatever you have going on, um, please, you can just drop a question in the chat on Facebook, Twitter, or, uh, or YouTube. And, um, we'd be willing to get down with it. Um, yeah. You want to start? Let's just jump into it this week. All right. We've got questions on deck. Let's go. All right. Our first question. Let's see what it looks like when we put it up on the screen with this little box. Let's do it. Oh, look, it worked. All right, is Stephanie Henry? Like, it's a two-parter. I feel like I'm hidden now, though. Like, I know you're really you're mini. You're tiny. Go ahead. All right, she's asking. I have been told by an by admin to have a better work-life balance. I need to set better boundaries. They're the ones crossing that boundary. Unnecessary meetings during my plan, etc. I'm exhausted. How can I keep these boundaries better? Help! I'm going crazy. Work only contract. Um, hours but here are a hundred more things to do and nothing is organized from top down tech is a disaster oh goodness all right so i'll give i'll give you i guess i'll give two answers Edie's really in my head from last week when um Mm. we did a boot camp we did the back to school boot camp last week and uh for part of it for um folks that like got all the resources like they one of the things was like 10 how'd she word it like 10 eternal questions that Reynolds has to answer every year something like that right and there were my answers and then there was the Edie answer and Edie was like I would never like I like what you're getting to but I say this much um and part of that's on purpose and because I want kids to know that if you ask me a question I'm gonna sit here and answer the whole thing I'm gonna give you the whole life vision for what you're talking about here and so um, I'll, I'll do both. And I also know that my personality doesn't fit everyone, but, um, so first I, you know, Steph, when I think of stuff like this, it's, um, I just, I look, I'm just, I'm just going to say, it. I just don't do all the stuff I'm told to do, right. I just don't do it because there is stuff that is important and there's stuff that's not important. If you saw like the recent video I put I out, just don't do it because they, oh, you're just, that's me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> in the middle of it and all I could think I was I interrupted myself sorry is this idea of like um when folks give you things to do doesn't mean it's important some of it's not even important I as a matter of fact I'll tell you this is this is n- probably not good professional advice but maybe it is um if I get emailed something to do I just ignore it and until like the second or third when they're like or they'll be like hey did you get my last email I'm like oh yeah yeah sorry man got I opened it and then like I just I saw it, but I just like wanted to see I tell people this, too. I wanted to see how important it was to you. And so that's one of the things is that just because I'm given something to do, I don't do it. Because And so last year 
um, I worked with some of the worst people I've ever worked with in my life. And part of the problem was they put everything on the teachers and they just kept adding on and adding on and adding on. And so I asked in a meeting one time, I said, hey, I would love they're like, does anyone need anything from us? And I said, I would love to know um, with all the ongoing and compounding responsibilities that we've been given this year, I think we should have a meeting because if you all are handling all of these responsibilities yourselves, I would love for leadership to stand up and, and kind of walk us through like what that could look like. And that was a little bit tongue in cheek, um, maybe a little bit passive aggressive, but in all honesty, I was really asking like, yo, if y'all have it figured out, like I can't figure out how to balance all this stuff. And so when I didn't do something I was supposed to do, thank you, love. You're welcome. When I didn't do something I was supposed to do, I would just let them know, look, hey, I get what you're saying, but um, like, let me lay out my week for you. Here's here's kind of what I'm working with. And uh, I don't see a, a way to get all that stuff done. The other problem is that we found last year was um, some some guy that was like came in as like the new curriculum director um, decided that we should do unit plans and start and start working on like essential questions and building out these thematic units and all this stuff. Like teachers were supposed to do this, even though curriculum director is supposed to do that. He had no idea that we were being made to do weekly lesson plans. And so for everyone, and I'll tell you what, I just didn't do the lesson plans. Like they were like, well, how come Reynolds doesn't have anything in his folder? And I said, because I'm not doing it. Like I've been here for 16 years. Um, I teach the same thing every year. And me taking what I do and putting it in a format so that it feels good to you so you can give it to the state or whatever the hell people do with lesson plans, I decided not to do it. And and I didn't lose my job over it. I didn't get in trouble for it. I just kept getting told like, hey, got to remember to do lesson plans. And so some of that is kind of where I come from, right? But it's like, the, I think the other answer that is maybe less defiant, um, dep- depending on, it's like choose your own adventure. You could go either way, is... Really getting, I I think sometimes it's really getting clear about our time. I think that there's always ongoing work. We will never catch up as teachers. You just can't. That's like saying like, man, I finally got to a point where like, well, I guess you can finish raising your children. But like, it's like you you have to get real clear that like one, there's always ongoing work. There's always unfinished work. You can never get it all done because even because the best teachers are going to find more work. They're going to make the lesson even better. Oh, I have five more minutes, 10 more minutes and not extra hour here or there. I'm going to make this even greater. And the other thing is getting real clear about your time. I think, um, and I'm not saying that this is your situation stuff, but like it, it, it bears mentioning that I think if we look at our hour to hour, like if you were to do a journal on your time during the day, um, how much time are you wasting? And I don't mean that that doesn't mean like you're doing stuff that fulfills you. Right. Like there's wasted time and there's meaningful time for me. There's me in my business. There is meaningful time on social media and there's oh, look at that rabbit. Let's chase that (laughs) one for a second. Um, There's meaningful time in my garden when I'm like pruning things and watering things. And then I, for the last couple of years, I didn't do it this year. Cause I know it's a time suck. I got real into pulling weeds in my lawn and it took forever, but it was really cathartic and I really liked it, but it was like a total waste of time. And I just got left with a whole bunch of holes in my lawn. So what I'm saying is like, it's really getting clear on what you're spending your time on. And are you doing that in some sort of meaningful way? And then 
drawing clear boundaries. When I think of boundaries and I think of work-life balance, I think of like, when I am grading, this is the only thing I'm doing. I'm not raising my children. I'm not answering questions from other people. I'm not talking to faculty. I am doing, you know, fourth period last year, every single day. That's the only thing I was doing is grading. First period, the only thing I'm doing is lesson planning and getting things ready for the day, like making sure copies are made and stuff like that. I'm not talking to kids. And I would actually change my location so the kids couldn't find me. And that was with teachers that knew Reynolds is in the tight bubble of total focus. We don't talk to him right now, right? Like we talked that like Reynolds will let us know when he's ready to talk to us, unless someone had a dire issue going on. Eighth period, end of the day, emails, phone calls, inputting grades. That's it. Don't come and talk to me about anything else, child. Like come in after school. I would love to talk to you then, but it was, that's what having boundaries means to me. And that has the same thing to do with, you want to have a meeting? I'm sorry, I have something I have. I would always go with, um, so eighth period, I'm answering parents. Hey, I have parent communications to do eighth period today. I, I know that it says I'm free this period, but I'm not because I'm a grown up and I'm a professional. So my time is locked in like crazy. And so that's that's kind of where I would go with with that. Good answer. Question. It's a big one. That's a it, big is. Answer. it is. And it, it's answer. like if it's one of those questions where like if you know all the stuff that's right. going on, you're clear on it, like um, it's situational, too. There's some nuance to that. Um, okay, our next question is coming from Sophia. She's asking, I found out this week that I am moving schools and I will be split between two different schools this year. Does anyone have any tips on staying organized between buildings and rosters and things? That's a tough one. Um, I know when uh, I was in Camden. <laughs> you remember, told them, no, they tried to make you do that. Yeah, right? <laughs> they started another campus where they wanted like seniors to go and then some electives are being taught there also and this was like a like Camden's not that big but this it was it was a it good would have been hard to get 20, to 20 like 25 minute drive Camden yeah so I said well how do you expect I'm curious how this is where I go right I'm curious how you expect teachers to um to go from one place to another like like in your mind like how is this how is this working out and I was told um, well, you're just going to go on your prep period. And I said, well, yeah, but that's my prep. Like, that's why I'm like prepping. <laughs> like there's like they call it that because you're doing a thing. It's not my drive period. So I'll do it. But you got to take a class away. And I want money for gas. And I want money for like, like, I, I want you to like, th this is my car. Like, unless you're going to drive me over there, like you can rent me an Uber or or like, you know, get someone from the school to drive me. That's cool. Um, but it was just putting back on them and saying like, sure, that's no problem, but here's what I need if that's going to happen. Um, and then they said, no, I was going to drive my own car during my prep and go ahead. Uh, I want to say John Lopez had a really great, um, answer. He said like, if you're splitting schools, ask if you can have two sets of materials or essentials at yeah. each site. So you don't have to be like that's dragging them, say. running them back and forth. Yeah. I so I just told helpful. them I wouldn't do it. And that was fine. And then they didn't know what to do with that. And then they found somebody else that was going to do it. <laughs> so I think I would do exactly that. I would have um, two identical sets. So know what your what your most crucial supplies are. Um, and don't lowball yourself either. Like if you need like, you know, stuff. No, always um, go over. I mean, yeah. that's like go the, over what, what you're you looking. Need. I think what we're looking for. I think teachers miss this point. This is a really good. This is a really good thing to think about. What we want to reach is no. We don't want to reach yes. Facts. Right? So when someone says last year it was um, 
there were so many teachers quitting. They were like, Reynolds, we need you to pick up a six period class, like an extra period. So you're just going to teach six out of eight periods in a day. I said, all right, no problem. Um, it's going to cost. So I divided it up and I forget what I told them. It was like, it's like $15,000 or something like that. Um, and they were like, what? No, we have like a $2,500 stipend we can give you. And I was like, no, well, like if we divide it up, like whatever my class is where I, and I'm totally making up $15,000. I have no idea. Like, I forget what it was, but it was on par with like a number that felt a little bit absurd to me, but it was like, no, it's going to cut it. But that's what I would call it would cost you. Like it's $15,000. And, um, they were like, no, no, we're not doing that. I said, all right, well, I'm sure that you can find someone if you, if you can't, and you want to come back to me, just let me know. Um, <laughs> and so I know someone else, that person that ended up taking the class, tried the same thing. They finagled and they didn't get 15 grand, but they definitely didn't get 2,500 bucks. It was like a lot more money than that. Because when we're asking oh, for right. things, I remember this yeah, we're <laughs> looking for no, right? And then no gets you to, all right, well, what can you do then? Like, what are we talking about? Don't come at me with that low ball offer, but what can we get? So if you're looking for, it's like, sure, I can do that, but I'm going to need um, a designated, whether it's a classroom or not, I need a designated storage space. I need these supplies to be able to do it. And so you're not just saying yes. We are not, we're not beholden to everyone else's hopes, wishes, and dreams as educators. Although educators act like this a lot of times, we are... We're human beings and I'm not here just out of the goodness of my heart. I'm here to teach kids. So if my job and to do the work that I'm doing for already the low price that I'm doing it for, I at least need these supplies, these essentials, this time to be able to pull this off. And it is it's like any it's like anything else that you do, whether you go to a yard sale or you're buying a house or you're buying a car. We're looking for no how much can I get this car for? How much am I willing to pay for this old Hamburglar doll that you have at your yard sale <laughs> that I'm excited about? Um, and so that look for no and then figure it out in between. And that's where I would start. Great, great answer, Lopez. This box is killing me. Just saying. <laughs> Looks so good in a box. Oh, Thanks. shoot. I wasn't Thanks, looking babe. for our next question. Sorry. Oh, got one. Give me a talk. Good old Wendy. Wendy's asking, yes. how would you motivate the most unmotivated kid in the room? Oh, man. I love this question. I love this student. Does it matter? Let me ask you. Does it matter uh, what grade? Like if you're... No. Okay. All right, go. <laughs> one of my favorite things about kids is kids' ability to dream. Kids dream so huge, which is why most of my freshmen... Uh, that I teach will tell you when I say, what do you want to do? It is either most of them. It's either NFL or hip hop artist. And then there's a couple other kids that are like um, doctors, lawyers. And then you look at their grades and it's like you have. So let's talk about this. You have a four. Um, you have like an actual four percent, which means that like you you actively do nothing. It's not just like you you have a hard time. It's like, no, you are doing no things. Um, but I, I, unless something happened on accident, it looks like you accidentally handed in an assignment at some point. That's why you have a 4%. I, I think the wonderful thing in those moments is those kids know they're not kidding themselves, right? They're not, they're, they're kidding themselves in that they think they're going to explosively somehow become a lawyer, but what they don't, what they're not kidding is that, or what they realize is that they, 
they're not doing work. Like they'll tell you, like it's it's not like a kid that has like a sixty-one and seventies passing, and they're like, no, I do, I I am trying, I am, and that's arguable. Maybe they are trying, and maybe that's a real conversation you have to have. But in situations where kids are doing absolutely nothing um, and are wildly unmotivated, I think that there's two things to do there. One, you have to get to know that child, and you have to get to know is there something else going on that would be stopping that student from finding success in your classroom. Right. Maybe there's some sort of trauma that's not being dealt with and you need to help children unpack that so you can help let the proper people in your school know about that, whether it's a counselor or the school therapist or an administrator, something like that. So help like that's actually needed can come in. Right. Maybe that's I really can't read. Um, I really the numbers look all crazy when I look at them on the paper. Um, maybe it's a processing issue. So like maybe there's something there that needs to be tested for that needs to be checked out. That's going to get that student the professional help that they actually need. The other thing that that's going to do is let you be in the know about what's going on in that kid's life. Right. So like whether it's my dog died or we lost the basketball game or my grandfather's sick again or my mom doesn't love me or whatever it is. You're in the know. The other thing is once you get to know a student, now you can start talking to them in a real way about like, hey, I'm just curious. Like, you know, we don't have to talk about your four percent. That's not what I'm interested in right now. Um but what do you want to do in your life? Like, what would be like your dream life? And then having kids scale that out, right? Like to, to like an incredible degree where like, I don't want to just know that you want to drive like a Bentley and you want this house and you want to own, I don't know, like a, a, a horse. Uh, I don't know why that came to mind, but probably because <laughs> I want to own a <laughs> tiny horse named Kevin. But um, it is, what do you want? And then pricing that out. And so it's like looking at kids that want to be in the NFL, but they're not even on the football team um, because our football team sucks. I'm not playing for this football team. I'll get picked up for college. But how are you going to get picked up for college? Because that doesn't happen unless you play in high school. Because You have to have a highlight reel. You have to have stats. You have to have all this stuff. And let's look at the at the what it takes to get into the NFL, how fast you need to be able to run, like what your pass completion need to be. There are certain metrics that the NFL is looking for when they come to recruit you. So how do we get you there? Because the fact that you're 46 pounds soaking wet and you have a 4% in my class is really working against your dream of doing that. But let's look at why you want to be an NFL player. Because NFL players on, on average play about three to four seasons and then that's it. Then they're done. So that means by the time you're 30, you're finished. What do you do with the rest of your life? And so are you just balling off that? Like, do you think that money lasts forever? Because let's look at your life and let's look how much it costs. And when we do that, and then we match that up to where we are now. So what we're trying to do is draw a line from like, I will never shoot down a kid's dream, no matter what they say. Here's what you're dreaming of doing. Here's where you're at right now. Here's how we're going to get there. What you're doing right now, you are literally flying east looking for a sunset right? That's Tony Robbins line. You're flying east looking for a sunset. You're never going to find it, right? I'm not saying you can't find it. You got to turn the, the airplane around though, bro. Like you're going the wrong way. So I can show you how what we're doing in class is going to directly affect who you are, your your mindset. As I'm going to quote my pastor, your mindset, your, your skill set, and your toolkit, right? I'm going to show you how this class affects your mindset, your skill set, and your toolkit, and then I'm going to show you the path to get to where you want to be. Now, whether that child becomes an NFL player or not, I have no idea. But it is. But will they learn along the way to then unlock their potential to be able to do a 
thousand other things in their life that they're dreaming about doing and meeting some of those lifelong goals. So it's not just about the car, the house and and the money. It's about do you want your your grandmom is raising you? Your grandmom's raising you because your mom and dad aren't around anymore. Um, these are real conversations I have with kids. Oh, grandma, how many jobs does grandma work? She works two jobs. Do you want your grandma to work two jobs for the rest of her life? Because right now she's paying for you. And if you keep this up, she's going to be paying for you for the rest of her life. Or do you want to be able to take care of your grandma? What if you helped your grandma to retire early? What if you took your grandma on a vacation when she retired and you went to Costa Rica for two weeks? What if you, t- oh, she wants to go on a cruise? What if you went on a cruise, but you went with the baller room and you didn't pay for park? Like you, you not pay for parking, but like it was valet parking and someone else is carrying your bags up. What if you went baller status? That costs this much, but that life doesn't come for free. So let's figure out exactly what you want. Do you want to take care of your brothers and sisters? Do you want to help them move into college? Do you want to buy all the stuff for their dorm rooms? Do you want to have an extra bedroom at your house? Because you know at mom and dad's house, things get a little rough sometimes. Now your brother has somewhere to crash, but it's not some like couch. It's like a nice room with a nice bed, with his own TV, with his own stuff. Like it's helping kids dream that stuff out. And I think I've seen it time and time again. When you go that heavy, deep and real with kids, It's like, it's like, holy crap, like no one ever had a conversation with me in my life like this. Now, what we're doing in school, I don't care if you don't like Latin. I don't care if you hate calculus. I don't care if you don't know what civics is. Now it's a game. But it makes sense is what it It, it did. It's like, I think sometimes it's so confusing. Like life is so confusing to kids. And it's like, what am I doing all this for? I'm just being told yeah. and shuffled. What do we have to learn this like, for? Because you right, want to win. It's like, right, but nobody And there's ever other reasons. That. I'm not saying it's the only reason you no, should learn to do really algebra. but that's a big motivator, right? Like the, for the kids, like your question for Wendy, it's like, how do you motivate the, uh, the most unmotivated kid? It's like, everybody has a want and desire, right? Yeah. Everybody has a want and desire. It's like figuring out and showing them like, no, these skills and things that we do are like the way to get there. Yeah. They don't just magically happen. No. You have to work for them but they are obtainable to everybody and get there fast yeah what are you gonna do fail out of high school go back for your ged then you got to go to community college i love that it's like the answer is never anything other than just the work it's like stop looking for the shortcut and just do the work but no the mentors are there right like use your teachers you connect with these people so you can get there fast it's the reason i take i'm in this mastermind right now it's like i want to get to the end result as fast as possible i don't want to figure it out it's like you pay to expedite. Yeah, That's it's the reason I, I have a phone with Google Maps. I didn't want it when the kids and I went to the skate park yesterday. What I wanted to do, figure it out, stop and ask for directions. No, right. I'm trying to fast track this stuff. All right, you can tell we're passionate about that. We are. Oh yeah. Oh, All right, let's go. All right, Summer Hayward is next. Awesome. She's asking. I'm in a new district this year, teaching history and theater. I'm also finishing my master's in history. Any tips on balancing writing my thesis, small book, um, and everything else? <laughs> Uh, pause before we start. I just want to say also down further in the comments, she said that um, she wouldn't have even had the courage to really move to a new district if it wasn't for like this community and kind of what we it. talked about and the things that we have. Summer said that. Yeah. Summer I, love it. So I love it. I hope it's a great um, year. She's so excited. It's a year of growth for her. Yeah, like, I think that, it will in be in a new place. So awesome. that's exciting for you. We're so, so look, that, that's one part, right, is like you're going to be able to live off that energy a little bit. Um, I never I don't have my master's. Um, I didn't even go to college. No, I'm just playing. Um, but, uh, I can, what I can think of Heather or Heather, oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. Summer, um, is that when I was writing my book, um, 
it was difficult. It was really difficult for me because some days I felt motivated. Some days I felt inspired and some days I didn't. What I did was I set aside time every day to work on it. It was the only thing I was going to work on. I left my house to do. I found that that worked better. I found I just went to a Starbucks and even at Starbucks, I got the same drink, which was a small uh, iced coffee with just cream. Um, I sat in the same exact spot, which was in this position where I could look out a window if I wanted to. So I was getting sunlight on me. I didn't feel like I was in like a dungeon, Um, but I wasn't like looking at the door and I wasn't like there weren't a lot of distractions around me. I put on the same Spotify playlist. So I was trying to do was like create this this rhythm of like, all right, I go to the Starbucks. I do the thing. I'm not sitting in there and going, what do I want? I'm thirsty for, um, do I want to eat something? All right. Where am I going to sit today? Okay. Uh, now I got to spend time looking through all my favorite songs and figuring out what I want to do. Right. It like got me to the zone better and faster. And then I had to write for at least 60 minutes, right? I had two options. And I, I think Neil Strauss says this, he gives himself two options when he is writing. He can either write or look out the window. That's it. He's not allowed on his phone. He's not allowed to use a pen. He's not allowed to take notes. He's not allowed to think, oh shoot, I forgot about this. And I want to write it down real quick. Nothing else. So on my laptop, I had one, it was just the Google doc. Nothing else was open. Not even at the bottom. I closed everything. This is the only thing I'm allowed to do. I can either look out this window or write. And I got one hour a day to write bad writing. Right. And so like it wasn't didn't matter if it was good or bad. It just mattered that I did it every day writing. And so if I hit a good spot, I would um, I would keep going. And if I didn't. So this is uh, I'm getting in the weeds here, but this is um, Ernest Hemingway idea. Ernest Hemingway stopped writing every day. Um, when he knew exactly what he was going to start with the next time. So as soon as I was like, oh, this is what I want to write next. And if I hit an hour or I was in a good place, I'd say, no, I'm going to stop because I'm stoked to write about that the next time. So what I'm saying here is balancing it is carving out time that is exclusively for that. And then that's when you're working on it. Because look, some days you're going to need to do more than others. Sometimes you have to sprint, but it's like building in the consistency, the routine, the rhythm of when am I writing? How am I writing? What is this going to look like? And then this is what I'm doing. My research and, and all that stuff is like just during this time. Um, and that's that's it. And then I let everyone know that I'm in. Guess what? The tight bubble of total focus. Um, so that's what I would say. That's that's one way. There's a thousand other things I could say to this as well, like. You could um, like make sure you're not spending all of your time coming up with brand new lessons. That sprinkling magic on on already existing lessons is a, is a lot more is a way better idea than like recreating the wheel. Stuff like that. All right. Um, what you got, buddy? Our next question comes from Miss Gonzalez. Um, it's a four parter. So hang in there. <laughs> Uh, first off, thank you for the amazing boot camp this week. It was top notch. Hope you have awesome. recovered and thank you for being here. All right, here's your question. Security has been ramped up. Got it. And we will be required to keep our doors closed and locked at all times. Teacher is the only one who is allowed to answer the door. I can deal with it during class, but I feel like it's going to put a hinder on things like lunch groups or those kids who just pop by because they need a smile or a change in pace. Any suggestions for keeping that going with doors closed all the time? Sorry, that was long. 
No, that's a great question. Um, because in this changing kind of climate that we have and things that we've seen happening in schools, um, you know, I, one, I just I, look, I'm not there, but I love that your school is taking steps to ensure the safety of, of the young people. Now, I'm not here to judge what steps are appropriate or not. That is not my wheelhouse. But um, I will say and I, I know that you're not asking that, but I just want to put that out there. Um, I try to have some fun with it. I'm not sure what you can get away with, but I did see this in the Facebook group the other day, too. Um, I have a. Uh, a small little rectangle window. I put foam core board in there and there's a little eyeball thing that you have to pick up to look outside of it. And there's a sign that says look first uh, because sometimes my door is closed and locked and somebody tries to get in because they're trying to cut class and then it's a whole thing to get them out of there. Um, but someone in the Facebook group put a picture of, I want to say it was Oliver Wendell Holmes and it was you looked through his eyeball and I was like, oh, man, I always wanted to do that and go like full Scooby Doo and lift up the eyeball thing. I just thought it would be awesome. So there there are some ways to if you're not laughing at the situation, but you're finding ways to have fun even within the parameters of the seriousness of what's happening. Right. So even when we go out for fire drills, I have a special stick with a sign on the top of it. And that's how I get kids out because they just it just brings a I think that helps joy, it like right? lessens kids anxiety and nerves about yeah. the whole situation because it's scary it is whether it is. they tell you or not how can it not be yeah and I'm not trying to make fun of it or or be silly no, in the midst of something horrible but it's just like it's doing the same thing right just yes. checking the door so anyway that, that my head goes there the other thing is I think the biggest and most important thing is you're gonna have to talk to kids about this so it's Talking to kids about why we're not having lunch together, why you can't just stop by when you need to, because um, this is a safety thing. And we're, we, your safety is is the most important. It's even more important than your happiness to us within the school parameters. So let's let's unpack that. Let's realize why we're doing it. Let's realize that it's a good job and that for right now, this is where we're at in this world. Um, however, and I, I think this is just as important, it's letting kids know when they can connect with you. So are you able to go to the lunchroom and sit with kids for 10 minutes? Are you able to just go by and say hi to a couple of kids? Can you be in the hallway more? Can you find places where you are interacting with young people? Maybe they're coming in in the beginning of the day or after school. If they're not allowed to just bang around in the beginning of the day or after school, like maybe you can sit outside for a few minutes and say goodbye to kids. But what you're doing and you're letting kids know you're doing this, you're actively looking for places and spaces to engage Right. And so when you're looking for those contact points, um, I think that one, it's showing kids that you're trying Two, it's showing kids that no matter what goes on, we are always trying to find what's best for all of us, no matter what new um, guidelines are given out by administration. And I think that that's a really good place to kind of let kids like meet them where they are, let them voice what they're going through, but still trying to make the best out of a situation that is different this year. Um so, yeah, that would be my immediate answer. All right. Scott's on deck next uh, asking any tips or advice uh, for first time sub teachers, especially in classroom management. I am starting my credential program and just got hired as a sub. I'm excited and nervous. So, Scott, first of all, if if any of one in the in the chat chat has had a successful substituting experience and you can answer this. Um, that would be awesome. Two, Scott, I would say this is one of those questions that I feel like you could get a ton of comments on um, by 
posting the same idea in our Facebook group. So if you're not, if y'all aren't a part of our Facebook group, it is the best teacher Facebook group on, on the web. Um, it's real rap with Reynolds teacher talk. And you can just literally just type this in there. And, and it's, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to show up for it. The other thing is with my limited experience as a substitute teacher, I found that um, in the beginning, it's difficult, but it's being very clear on the front end of class. Like, Hey, look, this is what you're expected to do today. Um, this is what I'm here for. And here are like, if you need to go to the bathroom, just talk to me. If you need help with something, let me know if you, you know, whatever it is, just come speak with me. Um, and then what your expectation is. My expectation is that you are sitting down, you're working, you know, whatever you can work with one another. You can listen to headphones, whatever it is kind of running kids through that. But then the more you sub, the more you get to know kids, you get to know behaviors, you get to kids know what they can expect and, and get away with and not get away with in your class. And so it's just like teaching. It's going to take a little bit of time. But it also my experience, once you do well at a school, they just ask for you by name, like you just keep going back and back and back to the same school. And so you get to know the same kids, the other teachers, how the routines run in that school. So it takes a little bit of doing, but it's being very clear on the front end and then um, trying to get asked back to that same school so that you start knowing students. Cause I mean, there's I subs at our school, like get so popular that the kids are like, Oh wait, Miss so-and-so is here today. And they're just like, um, they get so stoked. And then they're like, the, those subs are like hanging in the hallway with the rest of the staff. I mean, we've had like subs like go out to eat with us and stuff your uncle, like your uncle who no, is no longer with us was a sub oh, i feel like man. he was super loved by kids he was weird and wacky and you think he's like really weird and wacky like you would have thought like he would have got probably got really made fun of in the schools yeah. that he subbed in but i think he was so weird and wacky but he was just himself and yeah. kids loved him yeah I remember that's all he ever did i wish he would have became a teacher because he would have been a great teacher but he just stayed a sub i remember meeting friends one time I was at a band practice and Doug and Ryan came in who are friends I've had forever. And I had no idea they knew who my uncle was. And they were like, they were talking about it and talking about like, yeah, that's that. Like, this is that song. Like the sub played the other day. We want to play it in the band. Now I was like, what? Yeah. Sub that played a song. We talking about, he's like, yeah, he came in. There was a piano in the room. <laughs> and as we worked, he just played piano. And I was like, what? What the hell kind of sub plays? What are you talking about, man? And like, yeah, this guy, is, it's funny. He has the same name as you. His name is Mr. Reynolds. I was like, yo, stop. And I said, Mike mm -hmm. Reynolds? And they were like, yo, you know Mr. Reynolds? I'm like, bro, it's my uncle. And <laughs> I, to this day, that was 20-some years ago. To this day, when I hang with those guys, they always ask about my uncle Mike. And like, and we'll like sit there and talk about him and um, he passed a few years ago, but just before, like when he passed at his funeral, there were so many stories of yeah. so many people that my uncle Had would just show up in rooms and play piano and how it changed their lives or changed the mood or changed the situation. And so I think there is a power. It doesn't mean you have to play piano or guitar or something like that, but there is a power in being a sub and showing up because you get to be, um, a I force think just in kids' being lives you, in that right? Like it's another example yeah. of like really just being you and. Um, so, so in the comments, uh, someone said months behind said, I got my teacher's position from being a sub and then a long-term sub to my current teaching position. That's a good point too. Um, yeah. And then just 
to play devil's advocate and be on the other side of the spectrum. Someone, Michael Davidson, uh, said, we had a sub who was too friendly with students, lots of hugs, lots of contact hanging around them outside of school. Very, very bad choice. Yeah, yeah. don't do that. So, right? There's a boundary and there's a line. Inappropriate yeah. to over. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Our next question is coming from Dope Law. He says, you mentioned nice. Darius Daniels before. I was wondering just how do you get in contact with him as a mentor since he is a pastor? I was just wondering. I love his preaching. Oh, awesome. So I met... Darius, um, I mean, it was a long sorted tale, but like we started going to change church and then I was looking for people to endorse my book. So like the little blurbs they have on the back. And my wife was like, you should ask Darius to do it. And I was like, well, well cause I just thought your book is like of the heart. Right. And yeah. his, we just, we love Darius as well. And the way we came to even find him is not, uh, I don't think it's a weird, it's a weird story, but it just, to me is a powerful story of to my testament of God, like yeah, that, yeah. how it came about, like for sure, it was brought to us on purpose for sure. And, um, he's wonderful. And so I just thought like, yeah, ask, like, do you, well, you don't so ask, then, it's going to be no. So, right? I asked, so he asked and it and worked. To my surprise, he was like, <laughs> I would love to do that. So he read my book and he was even telling me, he's like, a lot of people ask me to write blurbs for their books. And most of them I say no to like 95% of them. We felt really honored. And, and so he was like, which says something about your book, which meant a lot to me. And so then I just reached out and I was like, hey, man, um, would you do like consider doing spiritual direction? There was a church I was a part of for 20 years. I've done spiritual direction for about 15. Um, and he just said yes. But I will say that Darius has a number of programs. I'm in his mastermind now. I was also in Change College before that. I've done spiritual direction with him before that. Like it was for me getting into the spaces and places that were already offered where I was already going to accept like be getting mentored by him, even if it wasn't just one-on-one. -on -one. But now the mastermind I'm in is, is the most money I've ever spent on anything besides college in my life. But that gains more access. And so I think, um, here's what I'm thinking real quick. Whether you get mentored by him directly or not, it is the people he's around, like the people he employs are such a high level of quality individual that like, you are like the whole mastermind that I'm a part of is like, you just bless one another the whole time. It's unbelievable. And that's even with him. like, he was on sabbatical all July and you still show up to the meetings. You're like, dude, this is incredible. Um, so that's probably your best bet is yeah. really like getting involved in, in a foot in that way. Yeah. But now, look, yeah, I got a awesome. phone call the other day from the chaplain from the Chicago bears that wants to like do a program with me in Chicago and work with schools there, like exclusively high school schools and teachers. Um, Hopefully. And that was through that group. And I'm just like, what? Like, like what? So lots of good yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, our next question is coming from, I think it's McNaughton Robin uh, asking, I'm you sorry. I just completely butchered that, but uh, I know uh, I'm, it's <laughs> something. I'm really sorry. Robin. Uh, we're we struggle with vowels in the Reynolds house. Well, we struggle also, with vowels. Anyway, She's asking, or they are asking, Robin's asking, I'm sorry if this has been discussed, but mm -hmm. I've been away and missed the last few episodes. Are you returning to teaching this year? If not, what will you be doing? Great question. So I left my school last year um, at the end of the year. I did not make a video about this. I thought about it. Um, and I'm, and I, I'm not, I won't light into my whole struggle in my head about <laughs> what I do. But um, so there may be a video that comes out at the beginning of the school year. Um, there may not. <laughs> Last year we had uh, admin change. It was, it was the worst move our school maybe ever did. Maybe second worst move our school ever did. 
Um, and my school became a place that was not the place that it has been. Right. So starting this time last year, from that point until the end of the year, 95% of our teachers left. And so when I say all of my friends left, I have, I know one person that still teaches at the school that I've been with for a while. Um, that's it. Everybody else left. As a matter of fact, over the summer, I heard like some of the admin had been let go. Um, and so it is, it, it became a place that was, I would never, even if I was going back into the classroom this year, immediately, I wouldn't do what I found last year though, was that the teacher, so the irony in this is that I left, but I'm focusing on teacher retention, teacher retention is applorable, right? And so we started thinking about what if we did this full time and we could scale it to really help to take care of teachers, right? My focus has always been on students, but when I think about instead of just harvesting fruit, what if we start planting seeds? What if we start putting out an enormous amount of content, creating resources for teachers and all not, I'm not just talking about worksheets. I'm talking about stuff and stuff and stuff that we want to do for teachers <laughs> to help bless teachers that might not be getting blessed by their schools or their districts or their communities already. And then teaching folks how to not survive the classroom, but thrive the classroom in the classroom. And so that was my choice. Um, look, I'm, I'm a, I'm a religious dude. I'm a Jesus-y guy. So when I talk about this stuff, um, it is something, there are a handful of things in my life that I've, that have been, that have come to me that I knew immediately, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. So like the moment I was, I knew I was supposed to, you know, get married to this woman over here. I knew that was exactly the moment I knew exactly when I was supposed to move to Africa, when I was supposed to move into the neighborhood that I live in. I remember the exact cross street that I was in my town. So there's certain things in my life. And this is one of those where I know this is what I've been given to do next. I will still be um, in the service of the school to some extent where I'm going to be planning activities, partnerships, uh, trips, like like all the stuff I feel is really, really meaningful that doesn't happen in schools. Um, I'll be doing that for schools and then connecting with teachers and planning out these opportunities because I get to meet all these really cool people in the spaces that I'm in. Um, I met a guy that knows the the mascot for the Atlanta Falcons the other day and was like, Oh yo, if you're ever in Atlanta, like um, with your kids, like look what, like we can meet the mascot and go in the locker room and hang out with people and stuff and, and like meet the players. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? Um, but that I'm always doing that kind of thing. And then I just take my students somewhere. So that's one of my plans for this year is to get somebody to Atlanta and hook it up. Um, so that's, that's how we're hoping to, to work in this space in this upcoming year and how we're hoping to bless educators going forward. So, and look, I don't know for how long that lasts. Maybe I end up back in the classroom next year. I have no idea, but I'm just following the path given to me. All right. So our next question is coming from Trenton. Um, do you find yourself, do you find yourself self-censoring and avoiding discussions on controversial uh, politics LGBT issues, race, et cetera, indige indigenous issues are touchy in Canada, where I am from. How do you broach yeah. these topics in class? Bro, I didn't even know about this, the stuff with it, the like indigenous nations in Canada until I visited. I was in oh. Vancouver and I had no idea that even existed, which is my ignorance. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't find myself censoring any of that stuff because here's the thing. 
I am not sharing my opinion, right? I say this often that I'm not a, I'm not a dictator. I'm a facilitator in the classroom. So it's not like someone brings something up and I share my thoughts and feelings about it. I actually don't on, on purpose with students. Now, if kids get older and they come in and, they, and we talk about stuff, I'll share about where I'm coming from with things. Um, but I think that what I'm doing is trying to create a safe space for students to be able to explore, express um, who they are, what they think and what they feel. That is our job as educators. If this, if what we're teaching, if we're teaching kids to be active listeners, how to debate, how to have important conversations and like how to, like how to, how to do that thoughtfully and mindfully, but we're not doing about stuff that actually matters. Like if we're doing it about like whether or not we should have uniforms, um, like I guess that's still practice, but it feels like T-ball. Like I want to run a scrimmage with kids. Like, all right, we're in a safe place and you want to talk about last year, like Black Lives Matter was still something that was popping, whether it was before that was Me Too or it was the Capitol takeover. Yo, did anyone see this on the news last night? All right, so what happened? Someone tells me what happened. Someone else says, that's not what happened. Okay, hold on. Yep, I want to hear exactly what you say, but I need you to listen to him so well. It's all boys. We need you to listen to him so well that you're going to be able to repeat back to him what he says when he's done. And then you can add on to it or say what was wrong. Right. So you're teaching these active listening skills, but you are facilitating the classroom um, like like they're players on the field and you're the coach, but not in a way that's meant to manipulate anyone. Right. You are simply creating a space where kids can share what they think and feel. Um, and in a way that is not patronizing to anyone, that's not mean. to You can be passionate, but you can't be mean. And it's walking kids through that sort of thing. And we do it to such a degree that there now, I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't talk about in class. Now, the difference is, is this the time and space to do or to have this conversation? So if we're in the middle of reading, um, I don't know, we're reading Lord of the Flies and someone's like, um, you know, I remember when the whole thing happened with Bill Cosby, someone like we were in the middle of reading a book in class and this, what they were saying had no bearing on anything we were doing. All of a sudden was like, yo, those women are gold diggers that went after Bill Cosby. And it was like, all right, one, um, <laughs> the way we're even saying that is like, you know, let's think about a different way to say it so that it actually helps someone to get into conversation with you and have difficult conversations. But two, dude, we're in the middle of reading a story and you're just talking about gold diggers and Bill Cosby. Like this isn't the place. So Let's put a pin in it. We'll go back to it. But and even if that's me just having those conversations with students individually, because um, not everything is for the whole class. Um, I, I love doing that stuff. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Our next question is coming from Tamara. I teach seventh. Some boys are always making jokes to others like that looks like, you know, blank uh, name calling and stuff. I've tried to calling them out, but it's an accepted practice. And it's so disrespectful. Sure. So um, I have a video where I talk about students saying like derogatory terms, racial slurs, um, things that but are sexist. Is your your environment? It's also accepted in that like culturally. Like, isn't it a back and well, forth? Well, like I mean, sometimes like everything's <clears throat> everything's gay all the time. All the things are gay. Reynolds, do you have a pencil? My pencil's being gay. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh. My, yo, stop being gay. You take my chips. Now you're being gay. Or it's everything is pause. Um, so if anything, anything, we're talking 14-year-olds here, right? Anything can be remotely perceived as sexual. 
it all of a sudden pause. It's just like, oh my gosh, I swear to God. Um, and then like usage of like, so, you know, I'll, I'll keep it clean because I don't know whose kids are watching with them right now. But like, you know, we all know the words I'm talking about here, right? And the, and the kind of things. Um, it is there's 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 a thing here, right? So some of it is kids being kids, right? It's just kids being doing dumb stuff, saying dumb things, right? And so you address it. But if it is this ongoing thing that's become like part of the culture, part of the fabric of the school, where this is what we're doing. Um, I think it's stopping kids and having a real conversation about it and saying like, um, so I, there's two ways I do this. I will, if someone says that their pen is being gay, right? My pen's gay. It won't work. All right. So I don't know if you know this or not. I, I just literally talk to kids like they have no idea what they're talking about. I don't know if you know this or not, but, um, a pen can't be gay. Let's break down what it might mean to be gay. Now I see what you think you're saying, but you're using your, you're using words that don't apply to the situation to describe something that's going on. So going forward, um, you could say your pen's not working. You could say a whole, but you could say <laughs> literally, like, I'm not saying you should do this, but you could say this pen is being a piece of shit. Um, and it's not working that actually, I, that's not appropriate for the classroom, but I would understand what you're meaning. Um, and so, it's like literally this is one of my moments where I like I say the question or the statement is this long. And then I'm going to say all of this stuff because I want you to know that we just don't take language for for granted in our class. And if you say something and it's out of pocket, then guess what? You're going to have to have a long, full conversation until I make sure that you understand what I am trying to say to you. So, you know, it's appropriate and not appropriate in the classroom. It's about talking to students about the power of words as well. And so. Look, you don't have to be about it to be about it. So like, let's say, right, let's just say someone out here is not about LGBTQ plus community, right? But are you about kindness? Are you about meanness, right? So it's like calling someone a name because they are gay or because they identify as something, right? If if you, if someone calls someone a fag, right, I'm going to stop it and go, like, and that has nothing to do with my beliefs, right? I'm not even going to share right now what my beliefs are about this situation because it's not even the point. The point is you see someone doing something and is it the right thing to do? And so if it's not, it's stopping class, it's having a conversation and I will have that conversation again and again and again and again. But does it need to happen with the whole class? Because sometimes it can feel like, well, the whole class was doing this. The whole class was laughing. The whole class was, you know, um, was saying this, were they, or was it like one, two, three, four, five students that then you hold back, then they get like, you know, you can say detention. It's really just time with me after school. I don't do detentions where you just have to sit quietly. It's having these conversations because what I don't, what I just want for my students is our classroom is a safe space for everyone, right? It is a place where kids can show up, be who they are. And that in, in that safe space, we can talk about anything but we're not allowed to just be mean to one another. I just won't take it. Now, sometimes I teach all boys and they say stuff to one another that's out of pocket. Um, and it's, you can just go, bro, what really for real in here? And they go, my bad, Ron. I know my bad, my bad. And it was just like, they're, they're not, their brains aren't finished developing. They say things and do things out of like out of nowhere. Um, and you have to help them redirect, but it is constantly having that, conversation. A really good word that I was given at one point was leaders are repeaters. You have to say the same things over and over and over again. Um, but you like you help kids get to that place. And so I think that that's a really important 
piece to, to that conversation. Summer had a really good uh, comment. She said that, that she has conversations about dehuman. Do you? Now you're going to mess me up, too. Oh, humanizing yes, <laughs> yes, sorry. language and how this has led to stuff in history. Um, she says she teaches history, and we address different words and what they mean. I love going through and breaking down the root language of words. I think that's really impactful, too. Yeah. And that probably can help with really, like, even street language, like, where it came from. Where was it? Where did it originate from? I love yeah. the power of words and the root language and, like, where things originate from and how they originate in history. That's why summer is on point. Like, that's... Yeah. I love it. It's so powerful. Important. When you learn that history behind words, it's like, oh, oh. Or, and, and sometimes really you come to an understanding. Brain. This isn't just about crushing kids either. It's about yes. treating kids like they're adults. And how few students actually get to have an, uh, a full conversation about something like this and not just be told what they're allowed and not allowed to do. But letting, giving them space to voice their opinion, to talk about it, talk about what they meant, even if it's not right, even if it's still mean, it's walking kids through the process and giving them a voice, giving them a place to speak about it that still is safe. So, yeah. Yeah. She came back and said, like, um, she, when she tries to reflect with them, she feels like they just don't take responsibility. Again, leaders are repeaters. Do it again and yeah. again and again. And it'll sink. Eventually. Yep. And, or they're just going to get so annoyed that you <laughs> just keep behavior. like, all right. Oh, right. All right. I'm not even having the conversation. I won't say it anymore. I won't say it anymore. Right. And that's good enough for me yeah. um, that, you you know. And here's here's the other reason you do it. You don't just this is the last thing I'm going to say on this. You don't just say the things and have the conversations for the kids that are creating the offense or causing the offense. You're saying it for the kids that are maybe the silent majority in your class. You're saying the thing and stopping the activity because someone in the back may not know how they identify in a number of different facets. They might not know how they feel. You might not know where their family comes from or what their situation is. And I cannot tell you how many times a student has come to me and said, thank you, because you addressed the situation that they didn't feel confident enough or strong enough to do themselves. And you spoke up for people that for students in your class that didn't feel they had a voice. Um, and that, I think, can't be done enough. Mm. All right. Our next question is coming from Miss L. It's a two-parter. She says, I watched one of your videos. And one of the things that you were saying is something like how after the pandemic, kids thought that there were unlimited time to get <laughs> stuff done. Oh, we yep. know where this is headed. Let's find the other part. Um, part two. I have also noticed many students seem behind in socio-emotional and EQ development. Um, have you noticed the same? Yeah. Uh, anxiety yes. through the roof right now. And so... You know, the funny thing is I was talking to a friend the other day and I won't I won't name her on here in case she doesn't want to be named. But she was saying that, like, um, last year, year and a half um, at post coming back from covid. Um, so not post covid, but like certain schools went back earlier than others. Their school was so focused on SEL. It was all social emotional. It was caring for kids, putting kids first. And now all of a sudden this year they got like punched in the face with our old favorite word rigor. Um, and <laughs> like, it was like social emotional went out the window, like, oh, you're good now. We've, we worked for a year on that. You're good. And anyone that's ever been to therapy, like you can go for therapy for a year and feel like, oh my gosh, did we even do, did we ever mm. even get to any places that like, I like just told you my story after a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Right? It took like us <laughs> a year to just unpack. Now what do we do with all the dirty laundry all over the place? So, um, I, I have noticed that a great deal. And if you think about it, like. You know, kids that 
were out of school for a year and a half. Like they missed all of that social emotional time. And like, I see it in my own kids that like the anxiety of going out, the anxiety of being around a lot of people, the anxiety of talking to folks. Like there's so much of that. I just want to say, I think we forget that like that children that are of school age are still developing like hormonally. And when you have something as as dramatic as the pandemic that we all went through that impacted all of us, not just children who are hormonal and still growing, but that section really suffered. I think uh, it was like just the perfect storm. And I see this within our own children who are at this age of, and still really going through the um, puberty process and uh, hormones, man, that isolation of being home and away and all that came with the pandemic, however it impacted the, the child, it really impacted them. And they, it's huge. They're all still developing children. Yeah. And I think that we forget that. And it's not going to, it's not just one year is going to pop kids back yeah. like to normal. I, I heard a, a study that, and it's I forget what the number of years, it said that how it's going to take years yeah. for kids to be able to like, and I can see that just in our own children, even how like that's stuff. impacted them. Yeah. And so what do we do with that? Um, I think we meet kids where they are and we help them to get to, up to where they need to be. We we don't, we, we love kids. I think too often we forget that we need to love children for who they are and not for who we want them to be or where they're supposed to be. And I'm, of course, Miss L, not saying that you, you're saying this, but like schools are, there's, there are a certain number of colleges that they need to get kids into. There's a certain number of graduation rate they need to kids. And, and, and there's all these mile markers that everyone's so hungry to get back to because it shows that your school is being successful. Um, but then who's being left in the dust is kids. And and so it's like really yeah. um, it's looking at how we're doing stuff and creating stuff. Um, you know, one of the things, yeah, kids feel like they have all day because I, that's how I gave it to like when we were during the pandemic, it's like you had tons of time. And if things had to be handed in late, that was fine because the internet sucked at your house or you had no internet at your house or your computer broke and you couldn't get back in or whatever it was reminding kids that like nope we're back in this in the flow and we got to get back there and we can yeah you can do it in a rhythm and in with kindness but yeah you have to get back into a rhythm and yeah. flow. And it's last year was them. such an easy year in my class um because it was really trying to meet kids where they were um and that was that was yeah difficult yeah and I don't think it's going to be any different this year, but I think that's no, the but we can't just stay there, right? There is a there is a scaling up that has to happen mm, oh, okay. to help kids get there. Look, I mean, if you if you tore your rotator cuff, right, and you go back to the gym, you're not going to start bench pressing 160 pounds, right? Like you're going to go back to like if you're at 80 or 70 or whatever it is, or you're using one of those rubber bands. Um, but over time, the rubber band right, is only going to be so strong, right? Up. You have to build back up. Yes. But it's like what we're doing is we're going, oh, I know you hurt your rotator cuff. We gave you, you had your, um, you know, the, your insurance allotted this many uh, meetings with the physical therapist. Now you should be able to go do 180 pounds again. It's yeah. like, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. Are you insane? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Cool. Go ahead, dude. All right. We'll do another one. Um, Linda is asking, how do you help kids dream when they don't have a dream or help them dream bigger when their dream is small or short-sighted, like getting a job at a fast food restaurant? So. Linda, I love this conversation. Um, I was talking about this. I don't know if it was in a video the other day or with a mentee the other day. Um, but like there was a student that I had years ago, only a few years ago. And he 
was not doing well in high school. He just didn't want to do it anymore. School was a very big struggle for him. It was very like what took most people like this amount of time took him this amount of time. And he just got tired of it. And so he got a little taste of money senior year because he started working um, more and more. So like he would leave school like right at the end of the day and work till like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. So he was making more than his friends were. And his uncle told him that he should consider being a truck driver because his scenario was truck drivers are going to make $40,000 right out of the gate. You only have to do this minimal amount of training. And if you get a job at the truck company, they even pay for your training and blah, 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 blah. And I said, Hey man, that's great. Like, um, but what is your, what's your life vision? Right. And I think this is where kids get stuck. We need to have kids envision the entire life that you want because $40,000 to an 18 year old, even to some of us, right? Like that's a lot of money. Like some of you are maybe not, aren't even at that as an educator. And so that seems so huge, but what do you want out of your life? Do you want to take care of your mom? Do you want to go on vacation? Where do you want to go on vacation? How many times a year do you want to go on vacation? What kind of house do you want to have? Where do you want to live? Do you want to stay in this neighborhood? Do you want to live somewhere else? It is getting kids to catch the full vision and then pricing. I help kids price their vision out. So, oh, you want to drive. So kids will be like, I don't want anything big, right? Like I want to have like um, this type of car and this kind of house. And I don't want to live in Phil anymore. I want to live in Jersey and I want to live on like an acre, but not much. So they'll almost downplay what that dream is going to cost. But then you go, look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to punch you in the face with reality because I want you to give up on your dreams. I'm hitting you with the truth because then we're going to scale how to get there. So how much does your uncle make now as a truck driver? Cause he's like, Oh, he's been doing it for 25 years. It's job security, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't make much more than when he started. And there were ways to make extra money, but it meant you had to work extra hard or get there early or drive through the night. Or it was like, it was hard living to do this. And there's, I have nothing against driving trucks. I have nothing against working at fast food or any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is, where is your life vision? And then is this thing you're going to do going to get you to that place? Right? That's what I want to know. And if the answer is no, then we have to have a conversation. If the answer is yes, then go ahead, man. You want to go to the military and it's going to get you this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing, and you're going to have this life. And that's what, exactly what you want. Great. I'm not here to gauge whether or not your life is satisfying to me. Um, but one of the other things is I like to talk to kids about like, look, when I started putting an extra, when I started working a second job and which was building this business, uh, or I worked a second job, I used to work in the summer as work at Home Depot. I worked for an anchor company, which digs holes under your house and they put foundational anchors and then they would lower me by crane into a hole, um, tie a rope <laughs> to my belt in case the thing collapsed so they could pull me out. That's what I did. I also mowed lawns and I did uh, like fix it guy stuff for people. That's a lot of work. And then I owned my own business and I realized like, oh, you can actually make money doing the thing that you love and then like make more money than I was making doing all four of those jobs. Right. Because like they were just hiring laborers. Um, and so it's really helping kids catch that vision and seeing what life can be like. Um, this is another reason I think is a really great idea to bring people into your classroom, right? So like if you're bringing in folks that it doesn't have to be someone that like necessarily looks like your boys, but I find there's a great ROI I teach all black boys. When I bring in, um, folks that are black males, it has, there's immediately like my students love that. Right. Um, 
But if I bring in even folks, I brought in this woman one time who was a Korean immigrant, um, female, mid-20s, that was had a business and was annihilating it. Now, she didn't look like my boys. She didn't come from the same place as my boys, but her story was very similar. She grew up in a certain kind of house, grew up in a certain kind of way, dealt with a lot of different things in, in society to get to where she was, was very difficult, but she did it. And the, the way she told the story was in a way that you could go, oh, well, I could do that. So it's connecting with folks in your community, taking your students on trips and getting them a taste. You know, one, in my first year of teaching, um, not to go on with this too long, but when we would go on class trips, we never used to go to like Burger King for lunch or Chick-fil-A. I would call restaurants. Um, and so the first place I ever did this with was a place called the World Cafe in Philadelphia. It's right near the University of Pennsylvania. We went to a play at the University of Pennsylvania. We walked around the grounds of an Ivy League university. And then we I made a deal for um, that they were going to make my students could get um, it was two choices. It was like a grilled cheese or something else. But even the way the grilled cheese came out, like even you go in, you're like, oh, this place this. is nice. Then the way your grilled cheese came out and it was like designed a certain way and the chips came out a certain way. And it was all it was way fancier than anything my students had ever done. But I made a deal with them. And I said, if I bring 40 kids, can you give us lunch for five dollars a piece or something like that? And they even did it cheaper than I think it was two fifty a kid. Then I got the school to pay for lunch. So it was like this sick opportunity for my kids that they got to experience something that was like yo, this is what we're talking about. This is only the ground floor of what we're talking about achieving in our lives. Like, do you want to eat places like this? You know, like, and if you don't, cool. But I'm just trying to expose you to things that you might want to shoot for in the future. And that's when we started hooking up with like Gary V and Mac Primo and going to Brooklyn Circus and all these other activities and events that we've gotten to do. But that changes kids' lives because it's not just me talking. It's someone that's doing way more than I've ever done yet. Um, speaking to young people. And that I think is, is the best. It's the same reason I think it's great to have college students talk to teachers that have been in the game for a long time. Yes. Um, Cause it gives them a vision of what's possible. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to do one more because do it. I feel bad for Catherine is next because you've struggled with this issue. She's struggling. She says, how do you handle when students steal from you? <sighs> I have a good rapport with my students, but I had this one class who was difficult whenever I was out. I had to be out for surgery and had a speaker out, which I bought so we could use for our lessons. I was told by many students it was this one student. Admin did nothing, nor did parents. All right. So I, this is such a great question. I've had kids steal from me a bunch of times. Um, it's one time breaking when you have a good rapport with your students. And this is. is why I wanted to answer. Nothing she feels heartbroken about it. And I, I feel, cause I know what you've it makes experienced. Me angry is I what know. it does. Like it makes me so angry, but then, so you feel the feelings and then this is what you do. I once had a kid that knew I had money in my jacket, in my room. Um, cause I, like I give kids money sometimes if they need it, like but they just I, know you oh, go get that, coffee or like whatever. Yeah. So, I had like 15 bucks in my jacket and I was sitting in the back room of my class with the lights off, um, watching something during my lunch period. And so this was a day that I didn't eat. I was prepping for something. I was watching a video to prep it for class, make sure whatever. Um, he walked in, didn't see me and went right over to my jacket, looked through my jacket, took the money out, put it in his pocket and left. And I didn't say anything because I like couldn't even friggin' believe it. So I brought it up to him later. And he was mortified. I mean, 
beyond embarrassed because it's fifteen dollars, right? It's like, bro, if you need fifteen bucks, like ask me. And so that was that conversation was, look, the thing that that bothers me is that not that I lost the money, like it, it is that you didn't come to me and ask for help that you, but instead you'd steal from me. And I thought we were closer than that. So please know in the future, if you need 15 or $20, come and talk to me about it. And we can have that conversation because what it turns out is that, and I knew this, right? I like, I knew it from talking to him before he was living on his own, said he was living with his aunt and uncle, aunt and uncle were, were out of the picture. He was squatting somewhere and just needed cash to get by. Right. Social workers couldn't figure this out. Everyone, all the appropriate people were pulled in, but we all knew what was really happening, right? And so that was one way to handle it. The other thing is, even when things don't get stolen, but get broken in my classroom when I'm not there. So I'll go in and like part of the trees hanging off or like a table's broken or someone drew another penis on my wall, which I don't know why everyone's always drawing penises on my wall, but it happens all the time. Um, It is addressing those situations and reminding students. So even if you don't say anything to that kid, but that kid's in the classroom, yo, listen, before we get started, I want everyone to know this, right? Listen up. I want you to know that this classroom has been completely handcrafted, that I made everything in here, that the school gives me exactly $0 to build or make anything for my classroom. So everything you see in here came from my own pocket. How did I get that money? I worked all summer for jobs to be able to afford this, this, or this. And so I create all of this for you. I make all of this stuff for you. And I'm not saying that to guilt anyone. I'm just saying it so that we're very clear that this wasn't like the room didn't come this way. It wasn't just tax money or some came from somewhere or somebody that you didn't know that I made this for you. And that when I do that, I do it with pride because I think school sucks most of the time. And I just want to have an amazing space for all of you. Now, when someone, when I'm not able to be here and someone betrays my trust and steals from me or breaks my stuff or draws a penis on the wall, like that's stuff that I have to go back and fix. And so what I'm asking for is that even if you didn't do it, right? Like I'm not giving a lecture because everyone did it. Like I know most of you, there was one person or two people or three people that were involved in whatever it was. Um, I'm just asking for y'all to look out for me when I'm not here. I would do the same thing for you. And so when I can't be here because this is what I was, because I had to have a tooth removed yesterday because my daughter was in the hospital because my wife needed something at home because someone was sick or dying. And now I left school and I have to come back to this. It just feels wrong. I want you guys to know that I care about you more than you could possibly know. I only want a great and incredible deal of success for you and for you to have everything you desire in your life. But part of that of you getting there is having this class. So let's make this class the greatest class it could possibly be. And then I love that this is another long answer. It's long, right? Right? Because I want to know the full thing without lecturing anyone or just putting it on them. It's, it it is, I want you to know where this is coming from. So one thing um, I will say, where she commented, she says, I never recovered the stolen item. Apparently admin had a meeting with the parents. The cops were called, but they never told me or involved me, even though it happened in my classroom. I feel like that's a really common occurrence in schools. And that happens really- With certain admin, not all. Yes, of course. My admin last year, they had meetings all the time without me. My regarding you, right? That. Regarding issues in yep. your classroom, it's kind of kooky when that happens. So, so but I want to say, go ahead, uh, Catherine is 
I think the way CJ handles it with like kind of just laying it out for the whole classroom, the person who needs to feel guilty and have like some sort of like that, they're going to feel those feelings. And if they don't, that's a different kind of kid. And that's a different scenario. Um, but at least you're laying it out so the other right. kids will hopefully look out <laughs> for you. The other thing with admin, I would go to admin and say, hey, look, I heard this was the thing. Next time I would really like to be in I, next. Not I would like to next time. Um, please let me know when you're having that meeting so I can be involved in it because I want to be able to speak to those parents as well. For me, it's never about like, I hate when they call the cops too, because it's never about the kid getting in trouble for things, right? It is about helping students to find success in school. Bottom line, it's not about you getting arrested. It's not about you getting detention, getting suspended, uh, your parents knowing about it, you getting a beating. I don't want any of that stuff to happen. I want you to realize that what you did was wrong. Yeah. I want to fix the situation and I want to move on from there. That's all I ever want. Yeah. And so, but to have that happen, I need to be in that meeting because that's how I'm even going to tell parents is what is what I want for their kid. So. All right. That was long. Thanks for all long. who, in fact, I think we have more people on now than we did. Take that question. Elvis. In the beginning, which is always. Um, me. It is. So look, before you go, um, I would love to just know, I'm going to put that question in our Facebook. If you're not a part of our Facebook already, uh, it, it is uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on, on Facebook. Um, one of these things says it here. There it is. Um, and I'm going to post a question today. I want to do, so we did a boot camp um, to help teachers go back to the classroom with confidence. The boot camp was focused on building student relationships and then classroom management because I think those things are inseparable. I have a number of other ideas of events that I want to put on as the school year is rolling out for many of you and getting ready to start for others of you that... I'm going to just try this experiment and just have a bunch of them. If you're interested, I would love if you went in the Facebook group and answered like which ones you felt like were the most important or that you might sign up for some create. Cause look, this is what we want to do. I'm not trying to create something that because I want to, I'm trying to create something that's going to bless someone else to help them go into the classroom with excitement, with confidence and with a, with less anxiety, right? Like I want you to go in and remember that this is supposed to be fun, so I'm going to post that today. If you could please go in there and answer, that would be awesome. And that's it. Wife, anything else that's going on? No. No. Thanks, right. everyone. Have a great have a great week. Are you starting school on Monday? I mean, yay. Have fun. Yes. Like, yes. Have fun. And uh, we hope the best for you. And have a great class. That's it, gang. Peace.